you're listening to the Pomerado Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for spending time with us today. If you're a weekly listener, welcome back. If this is your first time, we're so glad you're here and hope you consider subscribing. If you're in your car, on a run, doing things around the house, or working out, and want to connect even further and take next steps with us, visit pomerado.info. Now, enjoy this week's message. We're glad that you're here. So happy new year. Good to see you again. Welcome those of you who are joining us online as well. So whether it's your very first time with us, whether you've been with us for years, know that you were prayed for, cared for, and loved before you showed up this morning or before you turned on your screen whenever you are joining us. And so um, we are in a series called Beyond the 52 Church Outside of Sunday Mornings. Now, I don't know about some of all of us come into this uh, season of our lives, or this church building, we all come into this with different experiences with the idea of church. Now, I remember uh, one of my first experiences with our church here was we moved down here February 16th, 2018, and I remember we were planning, you know, we were getting everything moving down, and we got the, the big truck loaded up, we came down that afternoon, it was a Friday, and then I remember that there were uh, church members who came to help us unpack, to help us move like, you know, those, those wardrobe boxes that have little hangers, but they're still way too heavy than you think. And um, I remember Dan and Jill Goodham brought us pizza. And those of you who were here and helped us, we're so grateful. But for some reason, I can only remember the food dynamic of that day. I don't know what that means. But just being able to recognize that there were people who came and they, they walked up our driveway and a brand new, for us, a brand new city, brand new church home, walked up our driveway, rolled up their sleeves and said, how can we help? We had people throughout that week that helped us um, make our beds, but not like make the bed, but like would build the bed back up again because it was like packed away. So we actually sleep in a bed that first night. We had people who would iron out um, curtains, people that helped hang things on the walls, um, just people who rolled up their sleeves and said, how can I help? I remember I was getting ready, or we were, we were in the kitchen this was probably the second or third day. It wasn't that first day. And I remember seeing uh, three wonderful women walking up our driveway. Um, and they knock on the door. And they show up and they said, you know, it's tradition. Or there's a, there's a tradition that um, when a new preacher comes to town at a church body, that we print out something and said, you've been pounded. And it's providing a pound of different things. So it was like a pound of, I don't even remember what it was. But it was like a pound of butter, a pound of mac and cheese, a pound of gold, which I thought was very helpful. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> But no, it's just, it's just like that idea of being able to say, rolling up and saying, how can we give? How can we help? And it was just this, um, just this picture of our driveway, our, our home, that first week especially, has been a, a, where people have rolled up their sleeves and said, how can I help? Now, here's a, here's a quotation for, um, for us this morning. that This is when people are talking about this idea of, of church. This is when, for instance, think about how people today talk about joining a church as if it's a club. Or driving down to the church as if it's a building. Or enjoying church as if it's a show. But hold on, we hear from the scriptures. A church is actually a gathering and a fellowship of the family of God, the body of Christ and the temple of the Spirit. So if we continue to mindlessly treat our churches as little more than clubs or buildings or performances, we'll miss the truckload of support and blessing that God means to park in our driveway. And so when I think about the blessings and the, um, the blessings and support that we felt early on and have continued to feel, it's like, I wouldn't want to miss out on this. And, and being able to be a part of a community that rolls up their sleeves says, how can I give? How can I help? And yet here's the beauty of the church is that 
that that's something that we get to be recipients of, and then we also need to be, we need to be partakers in. And so many of you have helped out, and there's other times where I'm sure, not everyone obviously, but there's been times when me or someone else in the church has walked up your driveway. Maybe it's to bring a meal. Maybe it's to pray for you. Maybe it's to visit. Maybe it's just to have our kids play together. Maybe it's one of those things. But this idea of the support and blessing that comes, that God wants to bring to your home, bring to your driveway, bring to your life. And the church can and, and, and should be such a great source of that. But we also know that in a room this size, including people joining us online, we all have different experiences of the word church. That some of us, we grew up in church, and church is as familiar to us as the back of our hand, and we're, we're here all the time. We come multiple times a week, and it's, it is home. It's home away from home. And for some, growing up, maybe in a in difficult homes dynamic, church was that home that you needed because to get, a, not to get away from home, but to escape difficulties from home. Maybe for some of us, church is something that we grew up doing, but we've, we've walked away, and we've like, ah, because we've experienced great hurt in church. And that's a very real thing, acknowledging that church leadership or other church members, that people that we've had experiences where we feel hurt by the church. And so we think, you know, I still love Jesus, but I don't want to be a part of the church because it wasn't a place for many of us where we felt support and blessings and people who rolled up their sleeves and say, how can I give? How can I help? For us, it was a place where we felt hurt or confused or lost Maybe for some of us, it's a building that we've showed up to in our lives, crying out to God to answer our prayer, and then he doesn't answer it the way that we hoped for or wanted. And we think, well, if, if God's not going to answer my prayer, I'm not going to show up to a building. And this is a, an extension of what we talked about last week, that church is not just the, the location, that holiness and church does not have a street address. It's not that we're only holy, only following Jesus when we show up for 70 minutes at 12708 Stone Canyon Road or joining us online at palmerado.com. Like, it's got to be more. And that's why our series is called Beyond the 52. It's church beyond the 52 Sundays that are in any given year. Beyond what it looks like to just say, I'm just going to show up and, you know, I'll sit in a comfy chair for a few minutes and based on the preacher, more than a few minutes and, and acknowledging what God has. But if we just keep church, and by that I don't mean the show, the performance, the building, or the club, but the people that make up a local body. We've talked about before in our membership class, if you don't join our membership class, we talk about how we are not perfect people. And friends, I hate to, like, if you're newer with us and you're saying, I'm looking for a perfect church with perfect people, that's not us. And I hate to tell you, that's not any church. Every church, we all have flaws because we are all made up of broken but redeemed people, people who've been changed by God to change the world, people who are called to witness, and people that we're going to discuss today are plugged in to the people and the purposes of the church. And so as we dive into Acts chapter 2, I acknowledge and I want to I sympathize and empathize that when I say the word church, so many of us will have different reactions. But would you allow, not me, but would you allow the scripture from Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47 to be able to paint a picture of what church has been and what church can still be? Because just because we've had hurt with church or brokenness, 
It doesn't mean that there's, we don't see the value in striving for it. In the same way that for those of us who came from divorced homes, doesn't mean that we say, well, I don't want to care about marriage anymore. It's, like, it's saying, I want to have a vision of, it's been hard, but I want to have a vision of what it can still be. Because the local church, as, as one pastor has said many frequent times throughout um, his ministry, a local church, or the local church is the hope of the world. And we get to be bringers, partakers, and ambassadors of that hope to one another and to the world around us. So let's see what it looks like to be plugged into the people and the purpose of the church through Acts chapter 2. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person who's part of our service today, whether they're live online, um, live in person, watching or listening later, Lord. And I thank you that each person who's here is someone that you love, you've created and you've formed, and, and you want to draw closer to this morning. I also know that each of us come with different ideas of church and pain and, and joy and rejoicing and mourning and everything in between, Lord. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to each and every one of us because you know us and what we need to hear and how we need to, um, how we need to have our eyes and our hearts available for what you have for us through your word. So I pray that as we dive into your word, that I would decrease and that you would increase and that you would speak in a personal, powerful, impactful way to each and every one of us. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this time we have together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as we mentioned, our, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And, and the main point, if, you were to, if you're a note taker or a uh, slide photo taker, if you want to take pictures of that, this is the main point uh, for our sermon this morning. The idea that we see the value, that we are called to be plugged into the people and the purpose of the church. Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read the, this section and then we're going to unpack the different purposes a little bit more slowly for the remainder of our time. But here's what the passage looks like, starting in verse 42. They, let's stop, who's they? The they are the people that listen to Peter's sermon on, at Pentecost, that they, the, the um, Holy Spirit had come down upon the apostles when they were praying in the upper room. They go down into the temple courts. And then all of a sudden, Jewish people who had come for the feast all throughout the world started hearing these people from Galilee, these men from Galilee, speaking in each of their respective native tongues. Languages that they had no right and no ability to know about. And yet that's why the Holy Spirit came and gave them the ability to speak in tongues. And so then they start to hear the message. And, and then Peter... Um, they, he overhears people like, oh, these people are drunk. And Peter's like, they're not drunk. It's nine in the morning. Let me tell you what they are talking about. And he st starts talking about how Jesus was crucified and sacrificed and he rose again. Verse 37 talks about how the people were cut to the heart, that what they heard impacted them. And they said, what must we do to be saved? Peter says, repent and be baptized. And, and then there were 3,000 who were baptized and were added to the number of the church that day. So the they that we are referring to in verse 42, the antecedent, the noun it's referring to, are the people who had just surrendered their lives, that had just been baptized and have just been brought into the church, the family of God. And so here's what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe of the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. 
They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. When we read that, we think, oh, man, that's, that's what church could be. That's what it once was. And, and yet we look through that list and our church is a great church, but no church is the perfect church. And so recognizing even just the verse uh, when it talks about how they were always together and everyone had everything in common. Have you ever had anyone that you've had everything in common with? And so it's just like all of these things were so, what does it look like here? For us to acknowledge that it's not a perfect church, but even though we don't have the perfect church, we're still called to be plugged in to the people and the purpose of the church. Steph and uh, Shaylin went to the winter camp for the uh, middle school and high school, the youth ministry this weekend. And, and Steph, as she was, she was driving, um, and so she had asked for, you know, um, you guys ever, oh, maybe you guys have this, maybe don't. Does anyone, any other households have, like, phone chargers where there's one that like works really well, really fast, and actually functions. And the other one is the one where it's like, I bought three of these for Amazon for $2.97, right? Like, it's like, maybe just a few of us have that. I, we have that. So we have one that's the official one, and it, it charges the phone very quickly. And then we have this other one that we bought on Amazon, and, and it, it works. It's not perfect, but it can get the job done. And so Steph, as she was leaving, because she was driving up into the mountains, was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to, um, she grabbed the good charger, Brought that up, but then she also grabbed, we have a portable charger. Uh, when you plug into the wall, it's like a power bank, and then you can plug it in wherever you are. That way, we want to make sure she was you know, able to get directions, know where to go, and be ready to go and be safe um, as she's driving kids up there. And so yesterday, uh, Elise and I were having a daddy-daughter weekend. We made a list of things we wanted to do. We're taking pictures of each time we fulfill one of those list items. We send them to Steph. And one of the items was to go geocaching with our dog. Um, and so we went on a, a walk around Lake Hodges. And I look, I'm like, oh, no, my phone is at 34%. And so then Elise was like, well, like, uh, why, why did mommy take the good charger? And I'm like, well, we wanted to make sure that she was safe and that, you know, she was able to go and have a good charger. Well, why did she take the, the portable charger, too? I'm like, because we wanted to make sure she was safe and do all that. But that just means that we have the, the old charger, the one that doesn't quite work as well. Now, why do I say all this? No, really, you're wondering, why am I saying all this? <laughs> Here's, here's what it looks like, okay? Even though that other charger that we have is not the perfect charger, it, it gets the job done. It, it's able to still charge my phone so that I can function, so that, or it can function. Um, There's a little slip there. I guess I can function without my phone, but I'm just saying so that it can function. Um, so even though it's not perfect, it still works. Imagine if I were like, no, you know what, Elise? Mommy has the good charger. She has the perfect, it's the right charger. But because we don't have it, I'm not even going to try plugging it in. I'm not even going to try to charge it. We're just going to let it die. We're going to let it drain because we don't have the perfect one. Friends, you and I, if we look for a church that is perfect, the moment we see something or someone that we don't have something in common with or that rankles us or a decision we don't understand or a, a worship style or volume or song choice we don't like or the sermon doesn't meet what we're looking for, all of a sudden we think, oh, well, it's not perfect. And, you know, I'll go try to find another one. And then we unplug ourselves from community. 
And then we try to plug again and again and again, looking for the perfect one, and yet no perfect church exists. There are good churches, healthy churches, great churches. But because churches are made of people who aren't perfect but have been changed by God to change the world, we're broken but redeemed. We're not perfect without fault. And so us finding, okay, hey, the church isn't perfect. It's not the Acts 2 church. Therefore, I'm not going to find it. It's saying how can we remain plugged in to the people and the purpose of the church in order to, yes, grow from it, but in order also to contribute to it. How can we see what church can still be like if, we, if we're able to fix our eyes on what God has for us? So let's look at this. We have the purposes of the church that we see in Acts chapter 2. Uh, I forgot to show a picture of it. This content comes a lot from uh, Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Church. So this is not original with me, but um, he talks about the five purposes and how churches um, need, to, need to look at what those are. And what the churches, their purposes are, never changes. How churches embody or live those out can change. How we have church services and, and look what church looks like here in Poway, California is very different than where I've been in Harare in Zimbabwe or when I've been to Calcutta in India or St. Louis de Nord in, um, in Haiti or Quito in Ecuador. Like it looks different, but the purposes remain the same because the purposes are found in God's word, what the church could still be and what it has once been. First thing that we see in the passage and in, in, in this section, the first purpose that we talk about is the idea of discipleship. Discipleship is a word that, um, I, discipleship, fellowship, and worship. Um, when I first became a, a, a Christ follower, these were words I didn't quite understand. They, had, they all had ship at the end of it. I didn't quite know what that was about. I remember the worship leader at this church I, I had visited before said, we're going to start, um, have our time of worship. And the way he said it made it sound like a ship of war, like a battleship. I'm like, I don't know how to play battleship. We'll figure it out. Like, I didn't know what was happening. But this idea of like, okay, Fellow, discipleship is one where it comes from this word disciple, which is where we get the word student or a learner. So it's the idea of being consistently devoted to learning how to become more like our teacher. It's consistently learning how to become students of Jesus so we could be more like our teacher who is Jesus Christ. So here's what it talks about, verse 42, as it starts off. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, I highlighted a couple of these because first off is the idea of the apostles' teaching. The fact that the apostles were those who had just been able to speak in tongues at Pentecost. They were the ones who were sent out with a purpose from Jesus. They were the ones who were alive and heard Jesus' words and then performed different miracles and signs and wonders as well. And that it was from their teaching straight from the mouth of Jesus that the authoritative teaching and theology of the Christian faith came. And you will see in most of the New Testament books, there is at least, especially in the epistles and the letters, um, at least a portion of that, the authors of those letters are saying are warning against false teaching. They're warning against a false gospel that someone else is proclaiming. They're, they're trying to say, hey, it's really important that, that we know what true, accurate theology is and not what the world is saying or not what we want it to be or any of these things, but what does God's word say? So they were devoted, the people were devoted to the teaching of the apostles, to how the Holy Spirit had inspired those teachings to set the foundational theological bedrock for the Christian faith. 
And so that wasn't it, though, because they were also devoted to fellowship. Friends, there are some that in our day and age, especially when we have uh, online access to the best preachers and Bible study leaders and, and teachers of God's word in the world online, we could hear great teaching, but great teaching apart from community is still falling short. That we are here to call and to hear God's word together. And then when you drive home or when you're in small groups and you hear what you've discussed or you say, hey, here's, here's what God is doing in my life. Here's how I heard that. And someone else might say, you know, hey, that's not quite what I think that pastor was saying. In fact, I think that, you know, might be some, some theology that's not quite accurate. Or, or it's, it's doing life together, encouraging, challenging, and, and coming alongside, holding each other accountable. It's, it's this idea that teaching in and of itself in our culture, in our day and age, we tend to think that discipleship is purely intellectual accumulation. That if we just learn more things about God, then we are disciples. Should we learn more things about God? Yes. But if what we learn stays in our heads and doesn't impact our hearts or our hands, it's not just about learning more things. It's about God changing things in our hearts. It's about recognizing that as we grow, the disciples, the ones who knew the most during the Gospels were the Pharisees. The ones who missed the boat were the Pharisees. Because what they learned and knew intellectually did not impact them. When Jesus was right there and they had a chance to follow him, they went to their teaching rather than the teacher. So we need to have apostles teaching, and we also need to be in a community of people. We'll hit on this in a couple moments more in depth. The breaking of bread. This is the idea of sharing a meal together and specifically highlighting the emphasis of the communion table of love, the Lord's Supper together. They would be devoted to taking the bread that reminded us of Jesus' body that was broken and the cup that reminded us of his blood that was poured out. And when Jesus said in Luke, take this, each of you, and eat it, and take this and drink from it. This is the blood of the new covenant. Those apostles who were there, they kept sharing that message to those around them to be devoted to community, to food, and, and time together, but especially the Lord's Supper. And then lastly, to prayer. They were devoted to praying for one another, turning to God in prayer. And, and so discipleship isn't just one of these. It's looking at how all of them interplay together. That if we have fellowship but we don't have the breaking of the bread. We don't have communion. That could be a book club. That could be a fantasy football team. That could be a, a whatever it is that's just a nice group of community together. But what draws us together is, is the communion, the fact that we are united in communion and community because of Jesus Christ. We can have prayer, but, but if we don't have proper teaching, then we might be praying for things like health and wealth. That is not what the Bible says, but we might be praying that God would just increase us rather than knowing that we are called to decrease so that God could increase in whatever way he sees fit in our lives. And he'll provide what we need, not all that we want. And so all of these interplay together. And discipleship is utilizing all of these things and others, but all of these things in order to become more like Christ, more like our teacher as a disciple, as a learner and a student. We learn and are students of the master. 
There's a book I just read called Rediscover Church, Why Church is Essential, and it's written by Colin Hansen and Jonathan Lehman. Jonathan Lehman, in his chapter, he wrote this. When it comes to apostles' teaching, he said, before he really knew what church was, he's like, a church I knew had something to do with a group of people gathering to be shaped by God's word. Not, not, not tickled by God's word, not just like, oh, that was a good thought, not just to add an intellectual piece of knowledge to, from God's word, but to be shaped by it. That way, they begin to live together as a different kind of people, one that's both in and not of the world. That we gather together intentionally to look at God's word. And, and so if there are times when you're sitting, you're like, I don't know if that's what God's word says, for, like when we're, we're preaching here, then go look at God's word. Go check it and go read it on your own and, and make sure that that is something that you are devoted to, not just on the 70-minute the service we have once a week, but in the other 10,000 minutes of a week, are we living for God? Are we devoted to his word? Are we devoted to fellowship and to prayer and to communion and to teachings? Because we ought to be shaped by God's word. And when we read it, we look at it like a mirror, and, and James 1 says, don't just be a, a hearer of God's word, but be doers of it. And, and when we have a moment when we read God's word and we don't like something, we think that the, the word should be changed. The truth of the matter is, is that the word should be the one who's changing us. We need to be lined up with what God's word says. And that happens through the apostles' teaching and the, and the accountability and encouragement of fellowship through prayer. And communion. The second thing we have, not just discipleship, but also fellowship. This is the idea of community, of close association with one another. Here's how Acts chapter 2 talks about it. They devoted themselves to apostles' teaching and to fellowship. We read this already, but it highlighted a different part. And to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. This emphasizes the need for fellowship is this word koinonia, means close association. But then also all the believers were together, and so it's both proximity that they were close as well as relationally they were close. It's the idea of recognizing that you could go to your favorite sports team. You could go to a game. If there's a concert of a, of a band or a singer you like, you could go there. You could go to midnight showings of movie releases, and you could show up not knowing anything about those, anyone else there except you at least have something in common. You liked this team enough to go to that game. You liked that band or that singer enough to pay hundreds of dollars to go to their concert. You liked that movie enough to you know, show up at midnight, and many would get dressed up in order to express how much they enjoy it. And so you don't know anything else about them, but you already have some connection. And so when your team scores, you can high-five a total stranger. Or when someone else does something bad, people can boo total strangers, but you're like, oh, yeah, I'm upset too. Why is that important? Because if we only take our walk with Jesus, a coin in the, if we only think of community with Christ followers as being as surface level as a high-five at a, at a sports game, as singing along a lyric at a, at a concert, as dressing up and making ourselves look different to show up to a movie, then is it possible, is it possible that then we too, when it comes to coming to church, we'll just high five or greet one another without letting people really know what's going on? Would we too sing along songs with people without actually letting the, the lyrics change us? 
And might we too just put on and dress up as a costume or, or at least a facade, a mask of saying that everything's okay in my life and I've got it all together just like people would dress up to go see a movie. See, friends, church is not a club. It's not a building. It's not a performance. We are all together and it's for us to have a deeper relationship rather than just surface. It's letting people in. It's allowing ourselves to love others and to be loved by others, even and maybe especially in the most difficult times. Warren Wiersbe says this. He says, fellowship with God must never become selfish. We must also fellowship with other Christians in the local assembly. The emphasis here is not on what a believer gets from the assembly, but rather on what he or she can contribute to the assembly. Faithfulness in church attendance encourages others and provokes them to love and good works. Here's what that means. To paraphrase, you know, the, the famous uh, speech by JFK, it's, it's ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. It's to paraphrase that and to take it a step further. It's ask not what your church can do for you, but what can you do together as the body of Christ, as the church? How can we show up and roll up our sleeves and say, how can I give? How can I help? How do we go and, and say, well, the sermon, I didn't like it today. The, the worship songs, like I said, it's, it's not my style. It's too loud. It's too quiet. You know, like the people I sit near, they're, they're just different than me. And I don't know. That's the beauty of church. It's that we take different groups of people from different lifestyle backgrounds, from different socioeconomic statuses, from different places of origin, different parties that they vote for, different hobbies that they love. And we say, there are so many things that could divide us. And yet Christ is bigger enough to unite us. If we have different groups, if we're in different groups and everyone around us is exactly the same, that doesn't display the beauty of the gospel as much as different people coming together and having things in common. And saying not allowing that which divides us or would choose to divide us to supersede he who came to unite us. That all the believers had everything in common. Maybe they didn't all agree on whether or not pineapples should be on pizza or not, as an example. But what mattered? Okay, we got a good feedback. I like that. Um, I'm fine with pineapple for the record, but, you know, don't leave the church because that's part of the point. Um, they may not have had everything in common, but what they had in common was so strong, what they didn't have in common didn't matter. It was less important because we could just split a pizza and have pineapple on one half and on the other. Anyways, I went down too far down that road. Um, Here's what Hebrews 10 calls us to. The author of Hebrews tells us this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is a beautiful picture of intentional community here. Because it's how can we spur one another on? How can we encourage one another? How can we meet? Because our, war, our quote that we just read previously talked about how just showing up and faithfulness in church attendance can be an encouragement to people. Friends, when I know some of the, some of the difficulties of people that are church members and, and the brokenness and the wounds and the losses and the grief that people have experienced in this room and are still in it, and still seeing people show up, recognizing that they're pursuing a God they may not be feeling very strongly right now, but they're going to pursue anyways. 
When we see people who have gone through similar things, reach out and pray for people and acknowledge, I've been where you've been. I don't know all you're going through, but I can recognize, I can acknowledge. Let's pray together. When you see people who are walking and it's difficult, but they're walking by faith, and they may walk with a limp because of struggles in their lives, but they're still walking. They're not saying things aren't perfect, I'm unplugging. They're not saying things are hard, I'm giving up. They say we must hold fast to our hope. And when we feel hopeless, let's stay remaining into the community that makes us hopeful. Because if we're struggling and we feel like we can't raise our hands in song because we can't praise God right now because it's hurting, and then we look at those who have been hurting and they can, and they're on the other side of it, it encourages us. It lifts us up. And it's something we miss if we just watch apostles teaching from afar and not connected to a church body. It's something we miss if we're devoted to prayer privately but not fellowship communally. It's something we miss when we think that church is just meant, our relationship with God is just meant to be just me and God. Yes, that's vital. But we're called to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves. It's both and, not either or. Purpose of the church, discipleship, fellowship. Number three, service. Service, verse 45 tells us this. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. In Acts 4, there's a very similar, it's around verse 32 at the end of that passage. There's a very similar story when it talks about the church coming together. And it shows the story of Joseph, who his name gets changed to Barnabas, and he plays a big role later throughout Acts but it talks about how Joseph sold a prop, piece of property and gave all the proceeds and laid it at the apostles' feet and said, I want this money to go towards whoever has need. And in that Acts 4 passage, it talks about there was no one within the church that had a need because everybody had this mindset to serve one another with their time, with their talents, with their tithes, with their treasures. They were able to give in order so that lives could be changed. So that when we serve we're able to care for one another's needs within the church body. We're able to come alongside ministries locally and as well as missionaries globally. In the beginning of uh, December, we had shared with you our Gifts for Jesus project. Let's show that first slide. The Gifts for Jesus project um, was something that was through our local community impact ministries, and we highlighted two specifically. We highlighted Bridge of Hope that um, works with refugees or people who are in um, housing crises, and so they need a place to live and get connected that way, as well as Ladle Fellowship, which they do um, a feeding and a service, a gospel service, every week of the year. We have the honor to go down there quarterly. Um, four times a year. And what we wanted to do was to collect items as well as raise $12,000 to help those ministries to divide um, between the ministries. And so we sent out an email, or, or our office manager sent out an email uh, about a week and a half ago that we were about three grand short. It was a little under 9,000 we collected. And it was closing. Um, actually, this was before the, thir- the new year, so I apologize. It was two weeks ago. But then um, we got the final count uh, last week. And so the goal was $12,000. What we actually raised, let's go to the next one, is $12,755.93. So that's really exciting. Now, just this is not totally related. How many of you are like me and been like, where's seven cents so I can make that a, a, an even dollar, right? Like, let's just, let's just make that up to 756. No. But it was something where it ended up being above what the goal was. And how does that happen? That happens when 
people who love Jesus recognize, and even people who don't love Jesus who are still learning, but people who, who think, I can sacrifice and I can give to others who are in need. That there will be people who will be able to have homes that are furnished or homes that are available for them. People who will get meals and haircuts and, and um, new clothes and things like that. There will be people who, the idea for um, uh, LCI this week, Local Community Impact, was to help minister to some of the neediest people in San Diego County. And because of the generosity of you in this room joining online for service, we're able to help meet those needs and exceed what we had set our goal for. That happens when we think there's something that's worth giving up so that we can give out to others. There's a reason why we sacrifice to be able to help those who are in need as well. And so to be able to serve, it's to say, this is awesome. We're able to divide those up and we're able to give that out. But may I ask, maybe, might God be stirring in your heart the next time in March when we have a team that's going down to Ladle Fellowship, maybe you say, I want to serve. I want to go down there. I want to see the ministry that they're doing. In fact, maybe this spurs an opportunity for us to roll up our sleeves and say, how can I give and how can I help? Because it's serving with our time and our talents and our treasures. That can't happen if we're just showing up and it's just the 52 Sundays. That's the extent of our walk with Jesus. It's calling us to more because this is how the church could be. It's how it's been. It's how we're living it now, but we know that there is still more work to be done. Uh, number four, fourth purpose is worship. The fourth one is worship. And if we, you were here with us last week, we talked about how worship does not just mean singing a certain amount of songs. It's not about the great king and creator of the universe. We sing a couple of songs to him uh, once a week. That's not what worship is. Worship is how we live and we lay down our lives and how we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, which is our spiritual act of worship, and we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. And what we do is that every single, um, every day we worship God. And we are best able to worship through song here on Sunday if we've lived for him Monday through Saturday. We show up with an expectation God will show up because he's already showed up to us throughout this week. And so then we lift up our hands and we lift up our voices. Verse uh, 47, part A, talks about praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. It's praising God for what he's doing. Praising God even in the storms. Praising God in the bounty. Praising God in the harvest. Praising God in the brokenness. It's praising God because of who he is, regardless of what is actually happening in our lives. Not because we don't care about it, but recognize that his character is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we can praise God for his goodness even when we look around and there's nothing good around us. We can praise God for his generosity even when we feel like we're lacking because he's given us this day. We can praise God for people even when sometimes people drive us crazy because we know that we were not meant to do this life alone. We can praise him throughout the week. And the last one is evangelism. Verse 47, uh, part B, that last little section inside the passage says this, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, we see the impact of a church that is on fire for God, that is on mission for God, that is embodying all these different um, purposes of the church. We see churches that are serving in discipleship and worship and fellowship, and then there's evangelists, people who go and share their faith, and people are being brought to Jesus because 
God works with it. We're partners with God in reaching the world. And there's an interesting part that um, in verse 40, uh, 46, where it says, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. And we, th- we might think like what's, it's emphasizing that there's times where they're in the home and there's also times where it shows that they're in the temple courts. Why is that important? Well, one uh, commentator says it this way. The Christian presence in the temple testifies not only to their remaining faithful to their Jewish heritage, but also evidences their zeal for witness. In Jerusalem, the temple was the primary place where crowds would be found. And there the Christians were, uh, went to bear their witness. It's saying they would go. They wouldn't just stay comfortable in community and fellowship and private worship. They would say, it is vital for us to not just be invitational to bring people to us. Yes, we can do that. But also to be incarnational where we go out into the world. And this doesn't mean, like, I don't picture them, like, with, with a bullhorn or, or with a megaphone and, and with these things that are, like, tearing people down. But what they would do is this community would then be known as, is that, you know, I had a, someone watch, walking by and saying, what are they talking about? Well, I don't know, but I had a friend that I heard about that they didn't have enough food to eat and someone sold their property and gave to them in order to help them to know about the love of God. Huh. Well, I heard that they take care of their own and they serve. And when there's widows, they would, they would provide for the widows and make sure they are taken care of, that there'd be no needs anymore in their community. Huh. I heard that there are people that walk around and they, they roll up their sleeves and say, how can I give? How can I help? Huh. Well, let's go find out what they're about. Let's go find out what it is that makes them different, that a different group of people with different backgrounds, different socioeconomic statuses, and different places of origin, and different mindsets about what the right way to do things is, what makes them united? What's Jesus? Huh. Let's find out more about him. They would go into the temple courts and they'd be able to then give a reason for the hope that they have. And that hope was Jesus. And so it's all of these dynamics. And so last weekend, uh, for two days, Saturday and Sunday, we had Mike and Danelle Bukta, um, previous missionaries in Peru and then Ecuador and then uh, in Ethiopia. He spoke a couple weeks ago, and, and then they did a training uh, for uh, relational evangelism training. And so the idea was to just say, hey, this, this doesn't have to be a hard thing. We, 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 we get nervous about evangelism. And, and I heard a different pastor say one time that um, in our passage, evangelism was that last one. But they talk about if evangelism is last, if it's not first on your list of importance in your church, it'll naturally become last because it's the least comfortable. It's the one that can cause the most anxiety and fear. And so uh, Mike and Danelle shared, and, and they had a bunch of good content, and they navigated what's like in relationship. But they even gave this, this little four-letter uh, acronym that if you're there, you know it. And if you're not there, um, I'll tell you now. Uh, the first one is F. It's like if you want to get to know someone. You, know, you may not know anything about them. But how do you get to know them? F is for family. Ask them about their family, whether that's their family growing up, maybe, you know, uh, spouse or kids now, or where did you grow up? Like, where, what was your family like? O stands for occupation. What do you do for a living? What, what, what's your job, or, or what is it that you do? R is for religious experience, and you just, and it's not saying like, you know, you need to come to church or else. It's saying, hey, do you have a religious, like, 
what's your religious background like? Like, some might say, oh, I'm an atheist. I've always been an atheist. I don't get it. I don't get why anyone would believe. Others might be like, oh, I used to know the church, and I used to know Jesus, sorry, and went to church, but, but I've been hurt, and so I, I'm far now. Oh, I follow a different faith system, a different belief system. But it's opening up the door for conversation. You ask questions, just like, man, what, what do you think like, happens when you die? Or what do you think the purpose of life? Like, just big questions, and then if they show any interest, then you just go to letter D, which is discover. And you just say, hey, would you, would you be interested in, like, in learning some of this uh, and walking through this? If I could walk through this with you and explain what Jesus can mean, would you be open to that? And they might say no. But we're so afraid of them saying no that we won't begin to ask anything in the first three questions. And if we're so afraid someone's going to say no to the last part, then that closes the door on us getting to know them so that we could be ready when they're ready at any part of that conversation or any part in the future relationship. So all that to say, it was just this idea of equipping church. So we had about 20, 25 people that were here between the two day, or both days and, and learned and just said, okay, we can, we can do this. So we look at these, we look at these five different purposes and, and we'll talk more about evangelism in a couple of weeks. We'll talk more about uh, discipleship and unity next week. So we're giving kind of an overview. But our point today, as we've said before, is that there's value and we are called to being plugged in to the people and the purpose of the church. And in this section, this commentator mentions about what Luke does when he summarizes what the church does uh, in Acts chapter 2. He says, Luke's summaries present an ideal for the Christian community, which it must always strive for, constantly return to, and discover anew if it is to have that unity of spirit and purpose essential for an effective witness. If I were to ask each of us individually, do we want to be better witnesses? We want to point people, if we know and love Jesus, I should say, do we want to point others to Jesus? We'd say, yes, absolutely. And then we'd say, well, is our church perfect? No, it's not the perfect church, but no church is the perfect church. But this might be not a perfect church, but it might be the right church for you and for me. Not because of what we can get out of it, but what we can contribute to it, as well as how that can impact us as, um, in our own growth. It's to be able to say, no, we're not looking at Acts 2 church and we don't have everything exactly lined up, but that doesn't mean we don't strive for it. Those of us who, again, I mentioned already, those of us who grew up in a home of divorce doesn't mean we say, I don't care about marriage at all because of the brokenness I've experienced. We say, well, I'll strive for what I think marriage could be. We could return to it think, let's, let's go back to what the church was meant to. Let's revisit and remember it. And then maybe for some of us, we discover it anew because in a new season, it might impact us in a new way. And so as we close this morning, it's remembering that we're called to be plugged in, not to find the perfect church to try to find the perfect plug, but to recognize that we want to be people who are saying, how can I help? How can I give? How can I serve? that God has blessings brought to us on our driveway and we could be blessings to other people's lives and their driveways as well. And recognizing that if we want people far from God to come to know Jesus, it's not about us individually trying to be perfect. It's about us being plugged in to the people and the purposes of God's church and how he's calling us to be a part of it here at Poway. It'll be different than Harare. It'll be different than Calcutta. It'll be different than St. Louis de Nord. It'll be different than Quito. But it's here. And God has called you and me and us here. 
to show the hope of God's love and the gospel of Jesus Christ here and now for such a time as this. So would you roll up your sleeves? Would you say, how can I give? How can I help? So that people far from God would be brought near to him and numbers would be added daily, maybe to the church membership here, but more importantly to the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person who's part of our service today, whether live in person, live online, watching or listening later. Lord, I thank you for the fact that, um, Lord, knowing, I guess not knowing what everyone comes into this uh, service with and not fully understanding the different hurts that might be there or what church might or might not mean to us, Lord, I recognize that Church can be a big word, and it can be a beautiful word, and it can be a scary word, and everything in between. But may we look upon it as how you intended it. May it be something we strive for, even though we know we're not perfect. Because no church, no person is perfect, but we want to strive to be more like you, Jesus, to be disciples who are in your image. Lord, I pray that you would help us to figure out the best way for to roll up our sleeves and say, how can I serve? How can I help? How can I give? And to recognize that church is meant to be not a building, not a performance, not a club, but to be a close association of people following you and being plugged in to the people and the purposes of the church. Lord, we love you and we thank you for who you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to be a church where people are changed by God to change the world. If you want to partner with us in this way, you can start by doing these two things. The first, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you can do that by hitting the subscribe button wherever you're listening so you can stay connected with us and we can broaden our reach. And the second, and this might be the most important thing you do, share this message with someone you know. And as always, remember you are prayed for, cared for, and loved. See you next time.